All right. Do you want to improve your online sales? Well, you need better photos. Raise your pinky because today we're going to walk you through how to create amazing content. Presented by Advertise Mint. The Duke of Digital will guide you through the rapidly changing landscape of digital marketing, social media, and how to grow your business online. To submit a question for the show, text 323-821-2044 or visit dukeofdigital.com. If you need an expert to fix your ads, the friendly team at Advertise Mint is ready to help. Visit AdvertiseMint, that's M-I-N-T, dot com, or call 844-236-4686 to grow your business. Here's your host, Brian Miet. All right, I'm here today in the studio with Daisy Pollard. I am really excited today because I think we, you know, content is something that's so big in the world of sales and online business to be able to you know do do things online i really think you need great content so i want to thank you so much for being on the show oh thank you for having me i'm like really excited i can't stop cheesing oh this is great (laughs) we can cheese the whole time okay so uh there's a couple things you are an author you're a businesswoman uh you're a model you've you've worked for gap 1-800 flowers haynes Ponds and Amazon. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, you keep busy. Um, <laughs> you are the former Miss Jamaica Earth. I'm Miss Jamaica Earth. Okay. Miss Jamaica International. Uh, Miss Jamaica Asia Pacific International. So these are international pageants that are held in different countries. Mm-hmm. Miss Earth is held in the Philippines. And Miss International is in Japan. And Miss Asia Pacific International originated in China. And so, so wait, so now, from my understanding, you were the first Jamaican candidate in history mm-hmm. to compete in Miss Earth, Miss Asia Pacific, and Miss Beauty Queen World. World yes, and I won Miss Beauty Queen World. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, which, you know, it's kind of like rest in peace because this is it's an organization that's no longer around. Okay, but you oh, know, so that's I it. Took so the crown. you have the yeah. title forever. You don't have yeah. to give it away. You're like that's it. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, yeah, there was a queen after oh, the year okay. after me, but that, I think that was it. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And it went on, the pageant is like over 20 years old. So, you know, it ran its course. And uh, then, so Miss Earth. Yeah. So it was the first Miss Jamaica to go to Miss Earth. And it's very exciting. It's actually one of my favorite pageants ever. I feel like I'm like really promoting Miss Earth here, but it was like one of my, the best experiences I've ever had. And um, there's, it's arguably better than, I hate to say this, Miss Universe, wow. but arguably, but you know, it's, Miss Universe has been around a lot longer. So now, I've, you know, I've seen a couple, but I always feel like the most nerve wracking part mm-hmm. is right at the end where they're about <laughs> to announce the winner and they make yeah. everyone, they're like, and now, mm-hmm. and like the winner is, da-da-da-da. and like, I'm like, man, that's rough to just. Like you're standing there waiting to be yeah. like, is it going to be me? What's going to happen? Yeah, it like, does feel like your stomach's going to fall out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, so like when you go through preliminaries, like a lot of people don't know that before that big like coronation night with uh-huh. the big stage show, which is televised, there's a whole preliminary process. And so there's smaller competitions that you win, like swim Miss swimsuit or best national costume, um, talent, if there's a talent portion. And so you kind of know out of your group because they're a really big pageant. So 90 countries is, I think, was Miss Universe, for example, this year. And so, and I think uh, Miss Earth is close to that, like 80, 90 countries. And so you could get broken down into groups and the preliminaries are normally done in smaller groups. And then like coronation night is like when the big, you know, everything is announced. So 
you know, you go through all of these smaller competitions along the way and you just really don't know what's going to happen. happen. Yeah. You just yeah. keep going and you just keep, you going. keep going, going through the process while yeah. you can. Yeah. Ah, it's so fascinating. Now, in addition to that, um, you're also a lifelong entrepreneur. Yeah. You've owned uh, a martial arts gym, a limousine service, a bed and breakfast, a modeling school and, and an agency. And I'm like, man, I, I almost feel like I've got one or two companies that I run. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you've got me beat by three. Like, that's incredible. Well, I started young. Yeah. So, like, really young. I mean, I, I came out the womb. Like, you're about to have a baby. And yeah. I'm like, I came out the womb. Your daughter might come out, like, just ready to, like, just start making to start some money. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, like, that was me. So now, was this from your, were your parents at all? Like, let's go hustle? Or did you just come out and it was... You know, like it was your natural ability that you're like, let's let's uh, let's start making some cash. I do think that some of it's genetic. Uh -huh. um, so my mom, both side of my family, they're very entrepreneurial. My mom's side of the family, they have like a long legacy of entrepreneurialism and you know, big business and so forth. And so that I think it's kind of like an honorary thing. Like a lot of the women in my in that side of the family just are just ballers like yeah. they're just like what my great-great-grandmother was an oil heiress and and then just like you know howard hughes like drilled on her land so it's like historic oh, nice. yeah, yeah it's yeah. Re really like major so i think that kind of just got passed through the generations um, my mom was very creative so she was into sewing painting she could cobble like a cobbler she could be a milliner she could just like renovate your whole house like herself um so very creative very industrious um my dad was in the military okay. so lots of discipline and oh. my his mom my grandmother my paternal grandmother she was very entrepreneurial she spent most of her career in corporate and then later um, be got into like real estate and you know foreclosures, flipping houses and stuff like that before there was all the TV shows about it. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, so you you've just you've been in it for a while. In it for a while, yeah. yeah. And I I was very like especially with my grandmother, I was just there like following her around all the time. Yeah. So they got to see the ins and outs of it and like really participate, even though I was a teenager, just like really participate. So and she was always very encouraging of like whatever I wanted to do, and so she you know got me into modeling, and then I was like oh, this is a thing and I can make money. And then I was like really into makeup and I tried to like sell, like make my own makeup at home, which doesn't seem strange today, but yeah. in 1995 it was probably a little weird. And I would like repurpose containers and then make like colored and flavored lip gloss and try to sell it in school. That's so awesome. No, I like you hear stories like that. And I just, you know, I didn't grow up in, in an environment where I was like, let me go hustle for money. Mm -hmm. It was just be a kid and have fun and yeah. watch TV and play video games, I guess. But those little things, like when I see other people doing it, I'm like, yes, like it's such an empowering thing when you're like, you can create anything yeah. and make a life for yourself um, at to some extent, any age. It's, at any it's, age. Yeah. It's, it's really, if your kids have an idea and they're like, I want to try, I would be like, go do it. Yeah. Go try. Where do we pick up supplies and how do we you know, do a first run or a sample or try it out and see if it works or not. Definitely. I mean, my grandmother, I wouldn't say she was very encouraging. She'd much rather me focus on school, mm -hmm. but I just was bored with like all the other things that everybody else was doing. And so I, this was just my thing. I mean, I would wake up at like 4.30 in the morning to work out yeah. and then to like do pre-work before I would go to school. And, and then I would study like 
workout videos and magazines. And I mean, I was just like really in, in deep yeah. and I would just, yeah, it was just my thing, you know? And, and then I would go to school and then I'd come home and then I'd have something else that I was just like really into. Oh, well with Daisy. Now I heard an internet rumor and I'm hoping you can help tell me if this <laughs> oh is true. Right? When I was, when I was doing my research now, and I've heard, and you tell me if it's true that you throw Shuriken and Shuriken, Shuriken yeah, and yeah. Com- commas? commas, commas, yeah, commas, yeah. So I, I Google this and I pull up Google images and they've got all these, what look like kind of like Chinese throwing stars a little bit, ninja stars, ninja yeah. stars and the Batman throwing, like he's mm-hmm. got his own Batman shaped throwing stars that mm-hmm. he uses in the movie. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Like, so how, how did you get into this? Have you been doing that for a while? Is it true? Yeah, so it's true. There's videos okay. of me that, and throwing. Yeah. Um, so this is not something I started when I was younger. So I was married to someone and they were very well known in the martial arts community. And I learned from him. And, uh, and then I just kept throwing and making videos and I did some live performances and it just, and it's something I was like really good at. And then I realized that it's not just the throwing stars. It's all, it's just like anything that has precision, like precision sports, yeah. which makes sense now as an adult, because I used to want to be a race car driver. Wow. So, and that's actually a precision sport. A race car driver wall you through ninja stars. Well, no, they're all <laughs> precision. <laughs> I'm like, that's <laughs> just double awesome. Yeah. They're all precision sports. So I'm just really good at like hand-eye coordination uh-huh. and it just became a hobby. So, I mean, now it's more of a hobby than anything um, because I'm not like immersed in that world. And when it's around you all the time, it's something like, it's like, hey, you want to go throw? You want to go throw? Let's go throw. Now it's kind of like, man, I haven't thrown in a while. Let me find some place that I can go throw. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I feel like if I were to just dress like a ninja, I feel like I would be able to do a lot better. Well, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of costumes in Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. You can, you can yeah. make some money too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's right. There's a couple ninjas walking around the street. Um, all right. Well, did, did I miss anything about you or anything that, you know, in an introduction that I, I glossed Let's over? See. Well, there's a lot there. Um, I don't know. We can just go with it. Okay. It'll come up in our conversation. Right. Well, I want to make sure anyone listening has can be able to find you. Mm-hmm. What are the best ways that they can be able to connect with you or follow you? Oh, okay. So today, in today's world, Instagram is like the number one place. So my Instagram, my personal one is Daisy Joe, D-A-I-S-I-J-O. Okay. And I'm there. You can follow me and you can keep up with everything literally that I do. That's my main feed and I am constantly posting and promoting something. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. I for was sure. <laughs> I was running through your stories and it's like red carpet, uh a launch party, another red carpet, a modeling shoot. Like I was like, "Oh man, like you you keep busy." You, I do. You definitely keep busy. I do. Yeah. It's it's what I enjoy. You yeah. know, some people like to like I don't know, I don't know, like uh don't like to work. Yeah. I guess is the category that it falls in. And for me, it's like a hobby. I mean, not. I don't want to say that like if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's not. I don't think that's actually true. There are some days when I am like, oh, I got to get up today, and I'm really struggling through the day. It doesn't mean that I don't enjoy what I do in the process. It just means that I'm tired that day, or you know, oh, I yeah. need a break or something. Yeah. Right. I think it's important to to distinguish between the two. Um, but yeah, I just I just love creating and putting things out into the world, things that I want to see. Um, and I like working with other people and it's fun and I learn things. And I think the biggest like common denominator is that I love to learn things. So anything like just talking to people, working with people, you know, being on set, 
learning about marketing, like actually practicing and doing it is, is a lot of fun to me. Creating yeah. content is a lot of fun to me. Okay. So now I am, the reason I'm so excited is because you also authored a book called uh, My Product Model Success Guide. Yes. Uh, and the premise of this book is all around um, product, photo not product photographies, but photography and mm -hmm. visual content. Yes. And the difference between good visual content mm -hmm. and bad visual content. Yes. Uh, which is something that I think a lot of times can get overlooked where people are like, look, I took a photo of something. My job is done. It's on the internet. Mm -hmm. People will just, people will run through my website and buy this because I took a photo of it. Yeah. Um, and I've just seen so many examples where that's it, it, not the case at all. It really does take good product photography or good photography in general. So this is what I wanted to be able to talk about a bit on the show. And I've got a couple of questions Okay. Um, after reading through your book. So, you know, one of the things that you quote in your book is you say it's no longer competitive uh, to just say, here is my product. I'm selling this thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what was your thoughts behind that? Like just taking a photo of it and being like, there it is. What has changed in the world of the Internet that now makes content so vital well so i think the the internet like democratized the world in so many different ways you know and i think we don't really think about how our process of consumption has changed and how it's been influenced um, we think about politics and all the other things but we don't think about just like something that we do on an everyday basis which is buy stuff right or sell stuff and sometimes you're on both sides um, and so we don't think we don't think about like that so many companies or so many sites are selling the same products and they're using the same photos, for example, they're just manufacturer photos, or they're just putting it on their counter and taking a picture of it and saying, look, this is different because I'm selling it. And there's like a hundred thousand other people selling the same products. So I think that's really important. And it's, and some people do inherently realize it. Some people, it takes a long time for them to realize it. And so, and as we go, more and more people are becoming aware of the fact that like, there's that most of the products come from manufacturers in China and they're all the same thing and there's really no difference. And, you know, everyone's trying to say, but mine is better because of this or because of that. There's very few products that succeed because they are really differentiated from other products. And those are unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now one of the things that you talk about is being able to communicate the value in purchasing your products, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, that's a what you just said before, that's a great example. I mean, a lot of products are very similar. If you were to take, uh, you know, lipstick, for example, right? You know, there's a lot of different kinds of lipstick. There's a lot of brands that sell lipstick. You know, how, if someone else was in that industry, mm -hmm. would you advise them on how to communicate the value in, in purchasing their products. Okay, so this is actually a really common thing that's happening now because there's so many beauty brands that have launched on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then on, on YouTube and Instagram, but we'll take Instagram for example. Um, so, you know, you have your everyday influencer, right? That has a following is like, oh, I wanna create my own beauty cosmetic line. Yep. And they find a manufacturer or find, you know, private label. There's tons of them. You can just go on Alibaba. You can even download a course for how to find 
the products that you want to sell. And you have little control over the manufacturing product. That product is a process. That product is already made, right? And so basically you're just customizing the packaging, maybe tweaking the color a little bit. But you have no influence in what is actually going into the product, what the ingredients that are going into the product is. And so now like cosmetic brands, I mean, the cosmetic industry has changed so much in the last few years because companies are innovating with getting rid of like artificial ingredients and mm-hmm. things that are harmful and that um, that affect your hormones and stuff like that. And they're going all natural and even cruelty free, right? And even vegan. And so beyond, and then there's manufacturers that are also producing those things like private label. So if you're going to create something that's, well, first of all, you got to figure out what is really original. And that's really getting more and more difficult to do because outside of like finding some non-invasive um, way to tattoo your lips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just getting really, really, really hard. And so we're seeing brands, you know, people that are trying to start brands like say, oh, mine is CBD or mine is Ativia or mine has jojoba oil or that, and that's not even enough. Um, and so you really have to figure out like what your message is, who your demographic is, if you're trying to start a beauty, a beauty brand or a lipstick, right? It's more about making the packaging and the colors too tailored to your audience than it is about really being different in the product itself. Oh, it's it's such a good tip. You know, I think with the barriers to entry Mm -hmm. for production coming down, meaning, you know, 30 years ago, there wasn't, you know, Alibaba or there weren't courses that say, Hey, go do these three, you know, these are the 10 steps to be able to create your own product and get it back here. It was a little bit more difficult to figure out, how to be able to walk down that path. So now as more people are able to produce or manufacture items, I think what you're talking about is going to become so much more critical is it really is. What do these companies stand for? What makes them different? Um, How do they impact me? You know, in in your book, you talk about the difference between communicating. um, And there's two kind of areas that you break this down two camps. The first is quality and details of your product. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was, you know, image, lifestyle, and culture. Mm -hmm. And I I think from my experience, what I've seen a lot of times people come is they're like quality and details, that they Mm -hmm. focus on that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, here are the specs. Here's the photo. My job is done. As long as I get that up online, people will see that and they'll be able to look through and eventually make their decision. But a lot of times there's that emotional side, which is, you know, the image, the Mm -hmm. lifestyle, the culture, and the specs may not be as good, but people will want to buy that. And a lot of times we'll pay a premium as well Yes, because they're like, I like the way that product makes me feel. Yeah. Because those are, it's their people, right. As we say, right. It's their people. And that's becoming more and more of what like these communities are about. I mean, you take big fashion brands like e-commerce brands, like fashion, fashion Nova versus like uh, boohoo, for example, completely different audience. There's some crossover there, mm-hmm. but in some t- and in some ways it's essentially the same products, but completely different audience. Like one doesn't have anything to do with the other, you know, and, and Boohoo has taken like fast fashion and gone upstream with it a bit. They've gotten really sexy, very youthful, right? Fashion Nova is all about the urban woman, the curvaceous woman, the woman that is like, this is me. I'm a baddie, you know, <laughs> a new slang word I learned. Uh, baddie? <laughs> baddie, <Okay>. right? <laughs> and so, and it's just very different demographics, you know, um, and, you know, essentially Boohoo's a little bit different in their like manufacturing process, but yep. they manufacture all their own, own, all their own stuff. And, you know, they have the whole European thing. So, but, you know, Fashion Nova, which is just in the media about, their own labor issues, but they manufacture China and also here in the U S and, 
you know, their whole branding process is like so different from the other, but it's like the dichotomy of the same type of woman, right? It's like the baddie that's youthful, you know, it's kind of more like what we identify with as like the ideal Instagram look, right? With Fashion Nova, it's more urbanized. And, and that's essentially, you know, the difference is. Yeah. 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 I think in your book, you have an example where you're talking about Fashion Nova, I think Hot Miami Styles and yeah. CB. And you mm-hmm. were like, what's interesting is all three of these companies, a lot of their products are very similar. Very similar. You know, they'll, they'll have either the exact same product or very similar products. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in that, they all are, are trying to reach different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does that come into play? I mean, to some extent, do you... Is it all about the company and just defining who you are before you even begin mm-hmm. creating photos mm-hmm. that you kind of have a mission or a North Star and you're like, and you know your audience? I think for like, for like Boohoo, yeah. I think that was their MO, right? I mean, because they were in the game for like as a manufacturer and they did a like discount retail okay. or like a fast fashion, but like really cheap. I can't remember the name of the store in, in Europe, but it's basically like, our version of like, you know, Fias Paredes, have you seen those? Mm-mm. They're like uh, uh, the Hispanic version of like uh, Ross or Marshall, okay, okay. like off brand, yep. you know, off price stuff. Um, and so they started there and they actually own their whole supply chain. Um, and then they bought Nasty Girl and they launched Boohoo and they have like, I think, pretty little things as well. Um, and so they're able to manufacture their own stuff. It's all vertical. And so I think they had time to think about how they wanted their image to look and like pretty little things. They definitely had a lot of time. That was like one of the son's projects. It started off with like little dresses. So they've had time to think about the process and and how they want to be seen and who their target audience is. Um, and they all started like pretty little things started with like uh, influencers. So that was their big thing is influencer generated um, fashion uh, with Fashion Nova. So they started as brick and mortar. And I think they evolved and figured out who their audience was over time. And um, with LA, being in LA and having like the locations and seeing their customers come in, who's coming in to look like the hip hop stars, the female hip hop stars, right? Who's coming in to look like the video girls? And then you fig- then you kind of know, those are the indicators that that's your audience. And then just being able to interpret that online. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you mentioned really quick vertical content, um, you know, do you have a say on what you recommend creating for. I mean, vertical definitely works best for mm-hmm. the, the mobile phone. I know a lot of times, you know, square images are kind of the best that kind of work across the board. Do you have any uh, say on what you've seen kind of the trend go towards mm-hmm. recently? Um, you mean in what platforms? No, no. I, I, in terms of what type of content, when, you're, mm-hmm. when they're uploading it, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you, do you create content primarily for story formats? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you create it for, you know, square newsfeed kind of formats? So I think that there's an answer for both, oh, okay. right? Um, I think that people are building, making content for their feed and also for their stories, right? Like uh, one thing that I think is actually really great and I have not had the chance to like really, I've watched it and I've broke it down. It's like the way that like big brands are making the content for the stories mm-hmm. and you know, for like IGTV and then, and I think Snapchat kind of fits into that same category because it's the, the vertical, yeah. right? And, they're, but they're making it specifically for stories, which is awesome. And as opposed to the feed, right? It doesn't even go into the feed. So if you watch the stories, you're watching a different content, like different messaging, um, you get, it's the same brand, which of course makes sense, but it just, 
the feel of it is very specific yeah. for that. Um, and I, I think it's amazing to see how brands are able to like break it down for themselves and figure out how they can tell their story across uh, stories yeah, um, yeah. versus the feed. You know, I think the feed is really good for uh, now for e-commerce for a point of purchase, uh, especially like with like fashion over jewelry brands, you know, beauty brands and stuff. But I think the stories, it's more of like a narrative, right? They're becoming like media companies and telling a story. Like I think, uh, I think it was fashion over that did this series for their jeans and it was all about like how flexible and uh, stretchy, but fit their jeans are. Okay. And it originally only appeared in the stories and the model like comes in one frame and she's putting on the jeans and stretching, you know, and it was like squatting and, you know, and she's very curvaceous. So it was like really a perfect example. And it was just like a different, you're just entered into a different world. And so it's like watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. But for e-commerce, yeah. you know, in a way. And I think people are generally curious to see how products could, I mean, mm -hmm. in that example, you know, wait, are these jeans better than the jeans I have? Mm -hmm. Like they're stretchy or what is this or how do they work? Um, it's, it's just so fascinating. And when it comes to content creation, you know, what happens is as these new platforms emerge, as people are creating more and more and more, you know, the element that comes into play a lot of times is time. Yeah. The time needed to create this, which is you know, double, double the time, you know, we were generally doing, you know, one photo shoot here and there, and now we need to be doing more. We need to create mm -hmm. lifestyle and product photos. We need to create ones for stories mm -hmm. and for e-commerce. Like it just continually grows. Is that just, in your opinion, something that is the way it is now? Mm -hmm. Or what would you say to a business owner that's, you know, trying to grow their business and be like, how do I, how do I do everything that I need to? Yeah. So this is a big plug for me. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. Okay. So I think brands, if you're serious about your brand, yeah. then you need to have a content partner. Okay. Like absolutely hands down, you need to have a content partner if you're going to take this seriously. If you're experimenting and you're trying to put your you know, foot in the water, I think you still need a content partner, but I understand more of like why you're trying to do it on your own. Right. Um, you cannot, we're never going to get to a point where we go, oh man, remember that decade where all we did was take pictures and video yeah. to sell things on the <laughs> internet? Man, I'm so glad that's over with. That's where yeah. <laughs> we're never going to get there. 2020 is not going to be about less content creation and Instagram stuff. It's going to be about more. Yep. And I think video is really front and center for 2020. Um, and so, but yes, to, to circle back. Yes. You need a content partner. Um, we do that. Our my company is myproductmodel.com. You can find okay. us on Instagram, myproductmodel uh, at yeah. myproductmodel. Right. Um, and you know, with a content partner, what we do is help you help you develop your brand in terms of like what your image looks like, what your models look like. For example, if it's uh, if it's fashion or beauty, right? Um, what how to create consistent content or create that consistent content for you. Um, help you seed it out to your an audience so that you can get customers um, and help with like what your pro product details, what's special about your product, um, who your what the environment of that your product needs to be shot in and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is a quote in your book. Uh, I got a couple more that as I was going through Okay. Um, that you said potential customers need to visualize what they're getting in order to be convinced to take the risk and trust that the product will do what it says. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is one of the biggest things with e-commerce that a lot of people forget is you can't 
touch. You can't, mm -hmm. you have to watch videos to be able to, to get a gauge of what it will, how it will work and yeah. if it will work for you and what it does. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think in terms of that, because someone isn't coming in and physically touching or feeling a product or, or using it on their own, you've got to be able to focus on really good content that can do that. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, creating content that helps overcome those objectives or build that trust mm -hmm. with a person that says, I believe this product does what it says it will do. You have to really be able to show that on camera, whether it's in photos or video, I think, you know, from a B2B standpoint, what we're getting really good at with video is the deception of a product being more than what it is. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing that a lot in fashion because, you know, there was a time when in video, you can kind of tell the fabric a little bit better. You could tell that it like whether it was good fabric or not, if the seams were sewn properly or not. Yep. And now we're learning, you know, as a, as a world, we're learning about lighting and camera technique, right? And, and how to hide the flaws of things, yeah. right? And so the opposite is true for when you want to sell, when you want to sell a product, um, you have to figure out how to hide the flaws and how to accentuate the best aspects of the product, um, what a product can really do versus what it can't really do. And, you know, it's just because it's not like the perfect, 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 perfect product doesn't mean it's not sellable and doesn't mean it doesn't have an audience. And so we break that down for you. Like, okay, what is this really good at? Right. Who is this really for? And can we stretch it a little bit and say that it's also for this audience or it's also for this audience? Um, because that's going to give you more cut, more reach and more customers. Um, and so like if you're a brand and you're thinking about like what content you need to create, well, first, I think you, you do need a soundboard. You can't do it in a bubble by yourself. Yeah. Right. Number one, I think a lot of people try to do that. They try to like do it in their kitchen on the kitchen table with like no soundboard, no feedback. Number, number two is like being out in the world. So one of the things that I do is I'm a people observer, people watcher. Right. And so I it really do take in like your whole face yeah. and like clothing and everything. And I, I can't help it. It's just something that I naturally do. I've always done it, but I sit and I watch people like going about their day to day life. Like, Okay. Do those? Does she have to keep pulling up her jeans every two seconds while she's walking? Um, what's what could be better about that, right? Um, how do people actually use and wear the things in the world that they use and wear? Like, how do people really do use AirPods, for example, uh -huh. versus how the commercial tells us we should use them, right? And I know one thing: like AirPods are not really good for working out for most people, right? And so those fitness videos, I understand where they're going. That's how they got me to buy it. Yeah. But um, mine fall out all the time. All the time. Yep. All the time right but like how i see people using them a lot is on calls right and in on calls and not in motion just actually like in a enclosed environment like this where they can move around a little bit but they don't have to worry about a not being able to hear what's going on around them and also the airpods falling out yeah because there's a big dis distance between here and here and when you're walking with the airpods and trying to talk it's annoying when you're outside like in yep. the elements especially if you live in the city it's annoying Right. And so just really being able to observe that, like with people and do they use one versus two? Like, what do they normally do with themselves? Um, how do they normally like utilize their products? Yeah. 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 Now, there was one um, element, one thing that you said in the book that I was like, oh, it's so good. Because when most a lot of times when companies are creating photos for uh -huh. their products, they're imagining how do we take 
great photos of the product that make it look good, right? Yeah. That's what they're thinking through their mind. In the book, you had a statement where you were like, great images help customers solve problems. Yes. And I was like, oh, yes. I love that. Like yeah. I highlighted it and I was like, I'm going to print that out and keep it on my desk. On your desk. Because I was like, it really is a key that it isn't, when you're, when a lot of times people are taking photos of their products to put on the internet, they're thinking about how do we make it look good? Yeah. And you were like, no, it needs to be able to resonate with a person yes. that this will solve a problem in their life. Yes. And I love that. So, yes. I mean, can you add anything to that? Yeah, because this is getting, we're like a hyper, like, problem solving culture now, yeah. right? And so we want everything to solve our problem. We want our all birds to solve our problems. Yeah. We want our, eye. we want to have permanent long eyelashes so we don't have to use mascara, right? And so like you have to think about like for brand, you know, like all this stuff that I'm talking about, right? We want our our lives, I think this is just part of like the evolution of humanity is that our lives are gonna be, to make our lives problem free, right? And to make ourselves beautiful to the point of where we've evolved fully as humans, right? And so if you're a brand and you're trying to like help someone better there you know you made a product because it solves a problem you have to really show that in the images in the video um, which means that you're really creating a narrative right woman comes home and oh husband didn't take out the trash right what's your what is the product is it like a deodorizer or something well you know it automatically luckily fortunately i'm, I'm making up an infomercial in my I head. Do it. I, this is fortunately great. you know that i because i use this like natural air natural organic vegan air freshener that you just plug into the wall and it just you know or maybe it's like uh powerless or something and i don't smell the fish we ate last night i don't know i mean and, and you create that narrative of like what does it feel like to come home to a smelly house yeah right and so that's a great actress right or great model walking into the door and oh god this is awful the before picture the before video oh this is awful uh you know then you have the second version where the problem is solved she comes in and and it's all <laughs> this is a really haphazard example but it's all fresh and it's all clean you know and yeah, and, and, yeah. um and so we're just you have to create the point is to create the narrative yeah. of what your problem what your product the problem your product is solving um, and you have to do that through photos, through videos. You have to keep iterating, reiterating that. Like uh, uh, one of the one of my clients does this very well. Truman, you know Truman Cleaning. I don't know. They're um, an all natural, uh, like plastic, like almost plastic free um, cleaning product. Okay. And they send you these like concentrates, cleaning concentrates. They're organic, uh, non toxic. You put it in a water bottle that they send you. They send you four water bottles. One for, uh, I think, your floor, your kitchen, your bathroom, and your mirrors. And then they send you uh, four vials uh, con of concentrate. You put the vial um, in the... In the, uh, in the in the bigger bottle. Yeah, in the bigger bottle, in the spray bottle. And the concentration saturates the water, so it dilutes in the water. Okay. And then you can use it. And then um, you keep the bottles, right? Oh, nice. The plastic bottles. Throw it away. And then they send you the refills, and the refills come in like a little box that's like this big, really great because you know it's like no waste yeah. almost right and all you're wasting is like the little tube plastics and they're recyclable um and it's really you know revolutionary in the sense that well you're not using toxic products it's less plastic right uh and so i've created a lot of content for them like this past year and every time it's the same thing like 
oh, you know, it's just the different versions of the same thing of like cleaning your house, not worrying about toxic products in your house, right? Not worrying about so much waste. Like we went through a process earlier this year where we got rid of all excess plastic and um, we, we got rid of it not only for like our health, because like, you know, those plastic Tupperware oh. things that you, you know, you eat out of, you put in a microwave and stuff. So we wanted to get rid of all that stuff. And then that's when Truman kind of came into my life is around the same time. It's like serendipity. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally understand this because every time I buy some like wind windshield wiper, uh, like Windex or whatever, I throw away the whole plastic bottle and then I go buy another plastic bottle and I don't even know what's in this stuff. You know, it's like I'm terrible, right? I'm cleaning everything, yeah. and then there's our house is like smells like fumes, you know. And so this is like a natural uh, way of solving that problem, and I don't feel bad about it, and it doesn't smell bad, you know. And so every time I create content for them, it's basically the same thing. I'm living a better, cleaner, happier lifestyle, and that solves the problem of like uh, plastics, you know, eating the, all the news that's out about like eating, how we consume plastic, mm -hmm. and the impact of plastic in our daily lives. Oh, it's, it's fantastic advice. You know, what What are your thoughts when it comes to consumer-generated media or, mm. you know, getting celebrities to hold a product? Um, I know you have some thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, what, what, uh, what, what do you think? So I've had a lot of clients come to me and say, well, if you can just help me get this one, you know, influencer that has a million followers or this one celebrity, I heard that you know this person. Mm -hmm. And can you get them to, like, hold my product and take a picture and then I'll that it'll be made my life will be made my business will be made it'll be so successful and it doesn't work that way so if you're at home and you're thinking oh if I could just get so and so and so and so to hold my product on her Instagram and then I'll never have a problem in the world that's not true you still have to sell you still have to make content for your own feed or have content made for your own feed you still have to run ads you still have to create content and get a newsletter go all of the stuff you still have to do all the things um it's not there's no there's no trick right to it there's no one person one celebrity uh one influencer that can hold your product as far as user generated content mm -hmm. i think that's fantastic i think it's the most authentic um in terms of you know, showing people that use your product and in influencers that use your products, right? I think that is the most impactful thing you can do. The I think there's some like brand safety and brand control that you have to do around that um, because, you know, a consumer that uses your product and then posts on it and posts a derogatory, you know, caption or something, there's all those kind of things that you have to think about and consider. But I think like a feed, like a lot of beauty brands do this very well. They use their their customers' um, photos and they ask, "Hey, can we if we tag you in this, or maybe we'll pay you, but we'll buy the content from you." Um, I think that's very powerful, yeah. especially if you can do before and afters. You know, especially if it's a product that can allows you to do before and afters. I think it's very impactful. Yeah, yeah, we've seen before and afters work very well because they're able to at least you know show the story mm -hmm. of. Um, how the product works and then allow people to see this is, you know, in a split second, what, uh, what can happen or yeah. what the value of the product can be from, um, you know, do you use the same photos for e-commerce that you use for social media or do you create different content for both? Um, different content for both. Okay. Um, I have seen a few, I think, it, uh, it's been a while, a few years ago, maybe, where brands have been successful at using customer or not customer content, but 
you know, uh, Instagram content on yep. their e-commerce site. But um, in terms of like the product slot, you know, that product photo mm-hmm. slot, but it looks really janky. And as we kind of go upstream and get more sophisticated with content in the e-commerce space and on the social media space, I think it's very important to make content for separate channels. Um, I think we're going to just see, be able to tell the difference between a legit brand and somebody that just threw some stuff up on somewhere, yeah, um, yeah. you know, more and more as we go. I'm thinking the customer is just getting more and more educated. And so I think like, you know, that uh, street photography that is not in in continuity with your brand, you know, using that Instagram photo as your e-commerce photo is going to be uh, out of style very soon. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. You know, it's 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 interesting because there is that real that kind of foundational component of people want consistency with mm-hmm. a website. Mm-hmm. Where like we want to be able to look and operate on a store like a store, yeah. but we want something else that shows that our lets our imagination run wild mm-hmm. where we can see how it impacts us, yeah. see how it works, uh, see how our lives might be improved from mm-hmm. it. You know, it's uh, just like, uh, sorry to interrupt you, I was yeah. going to say, it's just like, uh, you know, fashion, right? So, like, we could talk about, like, you know, con- home consumer goods and stuff, but, like, and how that solves a problem, you know, the before and afters. And it's kind of a no-brainer, like, you think about, you know, having an Alexa or something in your house yeah. and how that solves problems, right? But with fashion, you know, people think, well, how is that solving a problem? How is another dress solving a problem? Well, it's all about your aspirations, right? And it's an emotional and neurological trigger, of like where, how you see yourself or how you want to see yourself in the world. And so we have a, uh, as a culture, an obsession with that, right? And so when you go on Fashion Over or Boohoo or any of these dress sites, right? And you see the women and they look really glamorous, right? And and they're boss babing it, but they're also wearing their mini dress and their eyelashes and all their other stuff. And, and so what is that message? Why is that resonating with our culture so much to the point that they're selling millions yeah. a month, yeah. right? And um, and and so I think that it's like a neurological trigger about like how we want to be in the world. And so if you're trying to sell clothes, you have to think about that. Your audience is not just selling some warm fuzzy socks. It's really targeting like how that person that's going to wear your socks, how they see themselves, what problem are you solving for them, and or, or what fantasy are you yeah. creating or yeah. helping them believe in right further invest in because that's also part of it i love it i love it such wonderful advice you know as we kind of come to a close here uh for this podcast is there any final piece of advice you would give to other business owners in regards to creating amazing content that's going to help their products sell better yes um you need a process right okay um a process because day one you know you're going to get excited about it I think I talk about this in my book too. You're going to get excited about it. I'm going to get my friend to model for me. I'm going to get, I'm going to take pictures of my iPhone and I'm going to do all these things. Right. And, and I'm going to do it all myself. It's a job. It's a full-time job. By the end of the week of creating content, you're going to be exhausted and burnt out. And it's no longer fun because your attention is being diverted from something else that you could be doing. Like reaching out to new customers, finding new customers, buying new inventory, right? Buying new inventory of whatever products you're trying to sell is a job within itself. There's like someone else in a bigger company that does that or multiple people that do that. So if you're trying to do everything yourself from day one, you're going to burn out very fast. So coming up, having someone help you come up with a content strategy um, that's going to give you a runway, not just like, 
every week you're running into a wall on Sunday night, like crap, I have no content for next week and I got to keep my feeds going. Um, someone to run your feeds, right? Like doing it all yourself, like Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, you know, ads, this, that, like all of it. Yeah. You can't, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the biggest part of like the burnout with a lot of entrepreneurs that actually have good ideas and that actually have a lot of potential and, you know, get some traction in the beginning is that they're on that adrenaline. They're on coffee and adrenaline the first week, yep. the first month. And then they're like, I don't know what happened. I was doing so well. And then everything just fell apart because you're, you're, you can't do it all yourself. And the, the, the struggle or the balance is in finding the money a lot of times with a lot of yep. new entrepreneurs and the time, you know, bring up your time, which you have to have money to do, right? And, and so you gotta have people that, you know, you can work with. You have to find solutions. That's what entrepreneurship is really about, whether you're in the e-commerce space or any space, it is really just being a problem solver. And so if you don't have any problems, you're not an entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> because you're gonna have problems. That is, if you don't like problems, then you need to get it's, out the it's game. Not the right yeah, place it's for not the right you. place yeah. for you. Yeah. But get a content partner. We're around. I was model myproductmodel.com and, and Instagram at myproductmodel. Um, and we can definitely help you out. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, you, for all the listeners, get good content. Start creating, you know, amazing content. Don't be a baddies. Baddies, is, is yeah. That right? baddies, all right, do baddies. it in there. All right. I want to see if I can. <laughs> into a sentence. Um, well, that's it. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's wonderful. Please check out our website and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Duke of Digital podcast with Brian Meert. Want to network with other business owners? Join our exclusive group at facebook.com slash groups slash Duke of Digital. Fancy the Duke? Leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and you could be mentioned on the show. The Duke of Digital was produced by Advertise Mint and recorded in Hollywood, California. All rights reserved.